welcome to the Beyond the Sermon podcast, where we take your questions from Sunday's teachings in order to form a dialogue about the scriptures and what God is teaching each and every one of us. Welcome back to the Beyond the Sermon podcast. Today is Sunday, October 30th, and this morning we are in Nehemiah chapter 10. We are week number nine in our Nehemiah uh, sermon series, teaching series here for the for the fall, and we've got we've got two more two more weeks in our Nehemiah series, and then we will um, we'll have a Reach Sunday, and Reach Sunday is a is a time when we get to pause and and really reflect as a church, as a community of Christians, as a community of believers, our larger call in the Great Commission, right, to carry the gospel to the very ends of the earth, and so so November uh, on November twentieth we'll have. Reach Sunday, and then we'll pick up in our Advent teaching series. We'll have a four-week Advent teaching series as we walk towards Christmas. We'll be looking at Matthew's, the genealogy in Matthew's gospel, and specifically the, the four women that Matthew names in the in his gospel and how they give us such a an important picture of the grace and the love of God for us, over us, in sending his son Jesus, and so, so that's that's where we're at, and we've got a couple more weeks in Nehemiah today. Again, Nehemiah chapter ten, we are looking at the the practice of repentance, and and uh, and the, just really the transformation of the people. As we've said, this eight, nine, and ten, it's a it's a smaller unit within the larger book of Nehemiah, and it really is giving us a a picture of the internal work of God developing his people into a faithful people. And we're, and we're going to see this is, this really is the high point. It's, it's the climax of the book of Nehemiah. This is, they're at their, they're at their spiritual peak here. And you know what chapter next week, we're going to look at chapters 11 and 12, and we're going to see this great celebration. It's going to carry over from this, from this peak. But by the time we get to chapter 13, uh, we should be encouraged because the people are just like us, right? They have these they have these really great moments with God, and then it all falls apart again, and they're going to struggle, and and so and they're going to need someone to call them. Nehemiah is going to have to call them back up out of their sin, and back towards the righteousness of of God, towards the right ways that God wants them to live. And so this morning, as we were as we were interacting in and around the idea of repentance, we proposed that repentance is this a uh, twofold thing. It's both an action and a process. It's an action where we literally turn and go the opposite way. It's literally making a 180-degree turn, a U-turn, and we, we go from literally walking in one direction, doing one thing, to turning around and doing the opposite thing, doing going in, in the opposite direction. As we've said, it we are on the path of self, and when we repent, we then step off the path of self and onto the path of Jesus, onto the way of Jesus. It is the way of Jesus is opposite of our normal nature. Our normal nature is that to gratify our sinful, uh, selfish desires. Right, the way of Jesus is to deny ourselves those things, and and we actually find great healing, and we find great hope, and we find great contentment and joy and purpose and fulfillment and in the way of Jesus, and it, it's counterintuitive to our nature, our, our sinful nature, because we think we have to we have to rise up and claim those things for ourselves, and we actually live in a in a moment culturally that, that, that that's precisely what it tells us. Although it's not a news story by any means, we can look back over cultures over over the vast array of centuries and and find that logic it is persistent at the heart of man because it's that that is the original struggle for for you and for me the struggle the nature that we inherited from Adam and Eve and so um, what we saw in chapter 10 again is we saw that we saw the people of God 
being very practical, very tangible. They are naming the way that they are going to walk with God moving forward. And this isn't based on their presuppositions or their truths. They are uncovering the reality of the way of God from the Word of God, right? And uh, chapter 8, the Word of God uncovered their sin. It uncovered their rebellion. It broke their hearts rightly, uh, and as it should, as it should break our hearts as well. And, And yet it gave them a better picture for the future. And so they're walking out of the word of God and um, they're, they're, they're looking at the word of God and they're saying, okay, how are we to live? And so the, the four things that really come up in chapter 10, the uh, verse 30, not devoting uh, or not giving their kids, uh, their sons, their daughters into marriages of with people outside of the household of God. It's with that foreign uh, foreign foreign people's designation is there again. It's not a racial thing. It's not an ethnic thing. It's it is this reality that they're acknowledging that their kids are vulnerable, and so God had put that provision in place a long time ago. And if they would have paid attention to it, they would have come to realize and come to really see the the benefit, the good that comes in that is that God was protecting their kids. God was um, delivering their kids from a life of of pain or hardship. And, and by saying, hey, you know what, when you marry somebody, that's a, that's a serious commitment. And, and so in that, you want to be married, you want to be yoked with, you want to be bonded to somebody who shares your same values, your same convictions, your same ethical foundations. And so if you marry somebody out of the household of God, you're, gonna, you're not going to get that. And so it really is this action of protection for their kids, for their sons, and especially for their daughters. And then and then they recommit. They recommit to um, uh, to keeping the Sabbath and uh, to not not finding loopholes within their within their uh, within their religious systems to justify their sin. And then finally, the the section closes out, and, and there's a significant uh, section there about tithing and about offering. And and we're going to see in chapters uh, eleven and twelve again. They're going to respond with tithes and offerings. They're giving of their financial resources to God because it's an act of worship. That they are saying that God provided for them first and foremost, and so they want to praise God out of those resources. God gave them those financial, physical resources. Um, I mean, again, they're, they're it's an agricultural society. They're literally tithing with grain and oil and wine and those kind of things. They're also giving money. Uh, they're giving the temple tax, which was. Um, a portion of a shekel, and uh, and so they're they're giving of money, they're giving of physical resources, grain, oil, wine, etc., um, and and so they're doing that because they they're doing it out of a, a sense of praising God because they've experienced His goodness, and so they want to respond and say thank you, thank you for thank you for for providing for us first and foremost, thank you for being generous to us, so we want to rightly praise you back, and so uh, this this morning here one of the one of the questions that came in. Uh, really surrounds around the idea of Sabbath. And so here's the question. Uh, are we supposed to keep the Sabbath? Uh, there's a person I know that was faithful in church but has uh, left to keep the Sabbath as prescribed in the Old Testament. Now they worship online with a like-minded group. All right, so let's dive into this question around the Sabbath. In, in Mark chapter 2, Jesus is confronted by some religious leaders. He and his disciples are making their way through a field uh, the disciples are plucking heads of grain off the off the crop that's in the field, and they're eating it. And the religious leaders confront Jesus and say, "Hey, look, uh, your disciples—they're violating the Sabbath. They're working on the Sabbath." And Jesus will end up—he'll he, tell them a story about David and how David, you know, when he was pressed and he was hungry, he ate he ate the bread of the presence, which wasn't even allowed for the priest to eat, and 
And what Jesus is getting at is really the heart of the Sabbath. And he'll conclude uh, this conversation with the religious leaders. He'll ask, he'll tell them this. And Jesus said to them, this is Mark chapter two, uh, verse 27. And Jesus said to them, uh, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now, again, that phrase son of man, that title, Jesus is claiming to be God. And it's pregnant with messianic implications and uh, divine connections. Back to Daniel chapter 7, the Son of Man sits on the right-hand side of the Father. The Son of Man is the God-human who would restore all broken things and is the Messiah. And so the religious leaders, the Pharisees and those that are there, when Jesus uses the phrase Son of Man for himself, he's making some very large claims. He's claiming to be God himself, and they would not have missed that, right? So when he says, even the Son of Man, so the Son of Man is even Lord of the Sabbath, he's making a significant, uh, significant claim about himself that they would not have missed. It would not have been lost on them in that moment. Uh, for us as modern readers, sometimes we look at the title Son of Man, and we go, oh, what's, you know, why is Jesus saying he's the Son of a man? Nope. It is Daniel chapter 7. He's, son, he's the Son of Man. He's the God human uh, that, is, that is to restore all broken things. And so, so Jesus here is getting at the heart of the Sabbath. And what he says in this passage, and what he reminds them is, is that there's, there's something bigger about the Sabbath. It's not just about legalistically not working on the Sabbath, right? Uh, it, is, it is about delighting in God. It is about taking time to rest, uh, not just in God, but rest from our daily labor, the daily grind that we find ourselves in. And so, so the question, when the question on a, on a face value level or an initial level, a ground level per se, uh, should we keep the Sabbath? And the answer is yes. Yes, we should. Jesus doesn't say that we don't need to keep the Sabbath in Mark chapter two. Instead, he's saying there's something really good, really purposeful, really intentional about the Sabbath and why God gave it to us, why God instituted it. Uh, and and so even we even see Sabbath the the practice of Sabbath within the creation story. We have got six days of creation. The seventh day, God rests, and that's not because God was the infinite God of the universe that can speak planets and galaxies and um, solar systems into existence uh, just through the very utterance of words that he was tuckered out and needed a nap. Okay, <laughs> the very God of the universe, he could have kept going. But in his wisdom, in his provision for us, was what Jesus says here in Mark chapter 2, is that he gave us the Sabbath. He knew that we would need rest and that we would need a model for rest. And so he models that for us. In the creation story, we see the modeling of rest by God for you and me. And, and even, even Adam and Eve and their original creative purpose, work is not bad. Work is not a bad thing. Adam, Adam is given uh, work in the garden. They are created to tend the garden, to steward the garden, to care for the garden. And so they have work. Adam is given the job to name the animals. And, and so work is not bad. Work is not inherently sinful. So it's not like, um, you know, we work, 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 and then hopefully get to retirement someday. Um, it is that God wants us to engage in this pattern of holy work and holy rest. Engage in the pattern of holy work and holy rest. And so work doesn't have to be sinful. Work doesn't have to be bad. In fact, we are created to be creative. We are created to work because God does that in the creation process. God, he is actively physically creating, right? And so we actually honor God in our work, but we also need to honor God in our rest. 
And so the Sabbath was given to us as this time. It was given to us as a gift, really to rescue us from our ambitions. I don't know about you, but I, for me personally, there's so much of my life that um, has grown up in and around this idea of performance, right? It, it is this idea that I am what I achieve. And yet that's not true. That's not true in the sense of the gospel. That's really not true in the sense of my relationships. Um, yes, is what I do important? Yeah, it is, right? Is what you do important for a job? Yes, it is, right? Uh, it's important for our families. It's important for our neighbors. It's important for a myriad of people, you know? If your job is 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 infrastructure, right, Th- then it is important for you to to, to do your job well. Why? Because it helps people travel safely and it provides for your family. If your job is a teacher, it's important for you to do your job well because you're educating and you're caring for kids and, and students. And, um, you know, like we can look at all of our jobs and say, this is what makes my job important. No matter where we're at, no matter what we're doing, we're, we're, we're doing work in a holy way as Christians. And we can do that to honor God with our intentions, with our motivations, with the way that we handle ourselves in our workplaces. Um, but we also need to honor God in our rest. And and so we are so quickly uh, drawn into the lie that I am what I achieve. I am what I do. I am what I earn. All right. And we find so much value and identity in that. And what God wants us to do in the Sabbath is to take a step out of that, to take a step back from that. It really is a, a, a gift of God to rescue our ambitions. And so in Nehemiah, uh, Nehemiah is addressing, they're addressing a situation that had come up within their context and their community. They were buying and selling goods on the Sabbath day as long as they weren't buying and selling them to and from uh, their Jewish brothers and sisters. As long as they were buying them and selling them from other foreign people, they were like, well, look, we're not really breaking the Sabbath. <laughs> you know, no, I can't buy or sell with my Jewish friends on the Sabbath because that would be work and that would be a violation of of the Sabbath. But if I buy and sell with these other people, there's a loophole here for me. And so what's really being addressed again in Nehemiah chapter 10 is the, is addressing the loopholes that they had created. Uh, and so they're really still just going about their everyday normal business. They weren't taking a break. They really weren't using the Sabbath for what it was designed for, and that is to reflect and to enjoy God. And so um, they were just creating loopholes for their sin and for their rebellion. And so we need to be very clear, very careful about that for ourselves. We can also make the work of keeping the Sabbath or any religious, religiosity, moralism, legalism thing, we can make that the our object of our affections. And so um, so that's just as bad as not keeping the Sabbath, right? And that's what Jesus, Jesus is pointing out here uh, to the religious leaders, the Pharisees there. They were really good at l- keeping the law to the T, but they missed the point of the law. They missed the point of Sabbath, and that was to rest and to enjoy God. It was a rescuing from our our own ambitions that get the best of us time and time again. And so so for me personally, here's how I practice Sabbath. Here's for Danielle and I. Uh, Sunday is not really a day off uh, for me, for our family. Um, obviously, as you know, I preach, preach almost every Sunday of the year, uh, twice, uh, two, two different hours on a Sunday. You know, we're getting up, we're doing things, you know, we're getting prepped, reviewing for the sermon, all those kind of things. So Sunday's a, Sunday's a full day for us as a family, but particularly for me. 
Um, and so Sunday, we look at it traditionally in the church. Sunday has been the day of worship, and it's been the day of rest. It's been the day of Sabbath, right? Uh, Chick-fil-A is not open on Sunday so that their employees can go uh, and worship, you know, wherever they want to worship or not worship at all. But they're just not open on Sundays. They give their they give their employees a chance for that. Uh, Fairway, I believe, is not open on Sunday, right? So you have some you have some corporations that have uh, this pattern of specific rest, and that is not a statement that other places can't be open or shouldn't be open on uh, on Sundays. And in fact, I'm likely going to be going after this podcast and picking up some groceries for our small group that meets at our house tonight. Uh, so uh, so there's, there's that, right? Um, but uh, what's important is that we are all taking a Sabbath time in the week. So does it have to be Sundays? No, it doesn't have to be Sundays. Sunday has been the traditional day, just based on how work, life, rhythms, culture has been uh, ordered, particularly in the American Christian West. Okay, or the predominantly Christian American West. That doesn't mean that all people in the American West are Christian or have ascribed to uh, or are under uh, Christian beliefs. But um, in the American Christian West, Sunday has been the day of worship. Uh, Really, even in the West as a whole, uh, Sunday is the day of worship and the day of rest. Um, so uh, obviously, again, for my life, for our life as a family, Sunday is not a day of uh, specific rest. It is a day that we worship, and uh, I love being in the service two hours and getting to worship multiple times and hearing God's people sing, and that stirs my affections up for Jesus. Um, but the way that we take rest or that we take a Sabbath is uh, Friday evenings, uh, beginning around 6, you know, around dinner or so Friday, Um, all the way through Saturday evening, about 6 or 7 p.m. on Saturday. And that's our our Sabbath time. We take that as a time of rest. Uh, No work gets done. No church work gets done. No formal work, vocational work gets done. And... um, and so it's it's a time for family. It's a time for us to be with our kids, present with our kids. Now, there's other work that gets done, right? I'm often doing projects with my kids. Yesterday, we raked leaves. And, you know, uh, the, the weekend before that, I had to put a new dishwasher in, you know, those kind of things. So we're doing some work. Um, so it's not like a complete absence of work, but it shapes the way that I do that work on those days with my kids, with my family, right? I'm delighting. The purpose of the Sabbath is to delight in God, to consider God, to rest in God, to enjoy God. And to do that, for us, we use it as also as a time, for, as, a, as a family, to enjoy one another, to celebrate what God has done and is doing with one another. And so it changes the way that we rake the leaves. It changes the way that we put the dishwasher in. You know, instead of me just trying to get that project done and, you know, Tell my kids, hey, just, you know, leave me alone. Dad's got to do this real quick. You know, um, it's it's patiently bearing with my kids and having them help me, walking alongside of me. And for us as a family, prioritizing um, key moments in that 24-hour period, in that 24-hour period to be together, uh, to, to praise God, to celebrate God, to talk about what God has done, and really just to enjoy each other and, and step back from the hustle and the bustle of the everyday work so that we are reminded that we're not just what we achieve. We're not just what we, what we earn. We're not just what we make, right? Um, that we are sons of God, daughters of God, children of God, delighting in God, and that, and that even in our rest, we are okay, right? We are secure, uh, that it's all going to be okay because it's not dependent upon us. Really, the, the practice of Sabbath is a surrendering of control to God. 
right? Where he said, and we say, no, you are in control. You are in authority and uh, you are substantially better than I am, right? Um, you are great and supreme over all things. And so Sabbath really is that. It is this 24-hour period of rest. And so should we practice Sabbath? Yes, we should practice Sabbath. I think, I think each and every person should practice Sabbath. And, um, and does it have to be on Sunday? No, not necessarily. Maybe your work schedule doesn't permit it. Um, and so what is the responsibility is to find a time uh, that you have a 24-hour period, preferably, uh, to practice rest where you're not focusing on your job, your vocational job, that you are delighting in the Lord. You're taking time to reflect on on the Lord. Um, and, and you're routinely, repeatedly doing that, making that a practice. Do we have to do it as it was prescribed in the Old Testament on Sunday with all the rules of the Old Testament? We can't cook on a Sunday. We can't, you know, we can only walk 1.2 miles on a Sunday. No, I, that's not, that's not the reality there. And that's missing the point of, of what the Sabbath was given to or given to us for. And that's what Jesus says in Mark chapter two. And I love the way that, uh, uh, it comes from a book by uh, a pastor named Pete Scazzaro, and he talks about it, and he quotes a guy named um, uh, Rabbi Abraham Joshua uh, Heschel uh, writing on the Sabbath, and this rabbi says it this way. It says, unless one learns how to relish the taste of Sabbath while still in this world, unless one is initiated in the appreciation of eternal life, one will be unable to enjoy the taste of eternity in the world to come. The essence of the world to come is Sabbath eternal, and the seventh day in time is an example of eternity. Uh, just the brilliant picture there of, of Sabbath, right? Of it's this gift of God that we are to uh, get to enjoy God, and it's also a foretaste of the age to come, that when we are resting in the Lord, right? Um, that we are, we're doing so, getting to know Him, getting to enjoy Him, and that we're we we are growing in our appreciation of eternal life. We're growing in our appreciation of eternal life. Now, does that mean the the, the complete age to come will be of all rest? I don't I don't think so. I think again, as we talked about, that uh, God has created us to work, and uh, we have holy work, and work is not bad. Work is not inherently sinful, right? So I think we'll be creating in the age to come as well, and. Um, excited. I'm excited to see how that all unfold and what that will be like. But, um, but again, Sabbath is this gift where, as we take it and as we practice it, and even as we practice it imperfectly, it grows our appreciation for our Father in heaven. It grows our appreciation for our eternal life, and we get to enjoy eternity in part now, uh, as we long for it in full, as it is yet ahead. And so, so yes, are, are we to practice Sabbath? Yes, I think so. Um, I, Jesus did not say, hey, the Sabbath does not matter anymore. Are we to practice Sabbath in the way that it was practiced in the Old Testament? I think we have grace. I think we have freedom. I think we have liberty um, in for the age that we live in, the moment, the cultural moment that we live in, the realities of that cultural moment that we live in now. Um, I think what God wants us to do is to practice Sabbath, to take a, a break to take a rest where we are specifically delighting in him and that we are we are ceasing from uh, the work that makes us perceived productive, right, as a rescue of our unholy ambitions. And so, um, so yeah, so the, the, the gift of Sabbath is a gift of rest. rest. It's a gift, it's, it is a gift to remind us that we are not 
what we produce, that we are not what we earn, we are not what we make, we are not what we achieve. Instead, we are complete, totally and sufficiently complete in Christ because he is complete. So even when we are not producing, we're okay because Jesus is sufficient. So uh, love this question about the Sabbath. I love the heart behind it. And um, and I would just encourage you, if, if you don't have a regular pattern of Sabbath in your life, um, I expressed to you how, how we do that as a family. Friday night to Saturday night is our Sabbath. It's what works for us in the rhythm of our week and our days. Um, just based on my life, right? And our my vocational calling as a, as a pastor. Um, I would just encourage you, find, find some space in your life, in your work, or f- find some space in your life and in your week uh, to practice Sabbath. And again, take one step in the right direction. If you're like, I don't even know how to do that for a 24-hour period, that's okay. Uh, take, just take a step in the direction, take a five hour period of one day, take a morning of one day, right? Uh, take a portion of a day, just take steps to begin to cease and stop from your vocational work, the vocational hustle and bustle of your life to enjoy God, to enjoy um, his creation, to enjoy our father who provides for us and to give him praise in that and I and I and I I believe that you will delight in that and desire more of that. And so Sabbath truly is a gift for you and me.